0: Welcome to From the Sands, The Cool Picks Show. On today's episode, we are going to have NFL and CFL alumni Milt Stiegel on the show, where Milt is going to share his experiences playing football, what the transition was like going from NFL to CFL and ultimately to the broadcast booth, talks about um, his toughest games and the decision behind coming back for one more season during the 2008 campaign. Uh, for one more uh, time on the field. Before we get Milt on the show, I would just like to give a shout out to our design team, Matt Creative and Matthew DeCastro, for the work that you see for the show with all of our logos. So without further ado, let's get Milt on and begin talking some football. All right, Milt Stiegel, how are you, sir? I'm doing great.
1: I'm doing great. Just um, taking it day by day, trying to be as safe as we can. But no, everything is good.
0: That's good, man. Yeah, it's definitely a a challenging time at best, but now that we're into stage three, uh, hopefully things will sort of go back to some normalcy uh, slowly but surely over the next little while as we head into the new year. Uh, But yeah, I just want to say thank you for being on the show. So let's just uh, dive right into it. So the first question I have for you is during your high school years, you were competitive in football, but also basketball and track. What did you like? What was your main focus towards turning towards football?
1: Uh, Well, it was the one I got a full scholarship, man. It was the one I was going to pay for my education. But actually, track is my first love. I mean, that's what I still compete in to this day. Uh, Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed football. Uh, It allowed me to uh, to continue uh, staying involved in sports in college and professional, and even to this day. But track is my first love. I love it more than basketball, more than football. But football was the one I was best in. It allowed me to get a free education, allow me to uh, have an occupation for years, and it still allows me to have an occupation that I enjoy to do. So that was the main reason. But like I said, if I could have ran track for a living, I would have definitely preferred that.
0: Yeah, it's definitely a little hard when uh, when someone comes up to you with a scholarship and say, hey, come play with us for four years. You're good. It's like, ah, yeah, okay, let's go that way.
1: Yeah, no, it, it, exactly. Especially if your parents had already paid for four other kids to go to college. and. Really didn't have much money left. So, no, it, it worked out well. It worked out
0: well. Yeah, and that's definitely the challenging part. But you ended up, because of that scholarship, you wound up at Miami University for the four years where you, uh, then after your college career, or sorry, your university career, uh, playing with them, you ended up signing with the Cincinnati Bengals. What was it like for you to be able to make a name for yourself in that, like the early year, years of your career uh, and then wind up signing a pro contract? It, it, it was a, a dream
1: come true, especially playing for my hometown team, you know, being from Cincinnati. And early on in my college career, I had no inkling about being, being a professional athlete. You know, I went to Miami of Ohio, and there's not too many professional football players come out of Miami of Ohio, so they weren't really preaching that. But in my junior year, I had a, my receiver coach. He had one of his buddies at the time who was uh, tied in with the Chicago Bears, and he came to one of our spring practices, and he told me, you have the talent to be a professional athlete. So that kind of opened up my eyes a little bit. I started having scouts come into my games. And then next thing you know, I'm playing for the Cincinnati Bengals. So it was something special. Uh, It's not all it's cracked up to be. It it is a grind. It's a lot of work that goes into it, uh, especially when you're at the bottom of the totem pole. You know, every single day, you're looking over your back. When you're losing, is this going to be my last day? But, you know, I was fortunate to get those three years in, and it was something I look back on and say, You know, I'm pretty proud of that, and uh, I cherish that uh, for the rest of my life.
0: Yeah, it's definitely unique when you're able to have the ability to get scouts out to watch you. And talking about those three years with Cincinnati, over those three years, you played 21 games with the Bengals, primarily playing as a kick returner. What was the training camp like for you? You said it was a grind, but what was it like for you to get into that training camp, experience what it's like to go pro, and uh, kind of start off your uh, career with the Bengals?
1: Yeah, it it was my first year. I I was intimidated. I I didn't know what I was getting into. You know, you get there and you see some of the uh, stars and some of the stars in NFL back then. You had, uh, you know, Anthony Munoz is one of the greatest offensive linemen, Boomer Sison, uh, you know, almost a Hall of Fame quarterback. So there was some legit talent there. And I was just trying to fit in the mix. You know, when you're a rookie, especially undrafted rookie, they don't give you. Many opportunities, they don't give you, uh, you know, they don't talk to you much until you start making some plays. So I really had to open up some eyes. I really had to put my foot down and say I belong here because a lot of guys, they don't think that way. They just go in thinking that they can't make it and uh, they have an optimistic attitude. You know, I had a, uh, I mean, a pessimistic attitude. I had an optimistic, positive attitude, and that allowed me to go in there and make some plays, open up some eyes, and uh, play with the Cincinnati Bengals for three years.
0: And did you have someone during your time with the Bengals that kind of helped with giving you tips or pointers throughout your career to improve your game or bring it to the next level? Well,
1: not improve my game, but just how to be a professional athlete. That's, that's the main thing. Because when you get to that point, you know, if you need someone to help you out, they may help you out a little bit. But if you're a pro, if you're at that level, you have an opportunity. There were two guys, Eric Ball and Barney Bussey. They kind of took me under their wings also. Uh, Tim McGee, uh, older receiver, when I got there, they took me under their wings and say, this is how you become a professional athlete. We don't need to train you how to be a receiver. We want to show you how to be a professional athlete, how to take care of your body, how to eat, uh, how to approach the game when you're watching film, when you're lifting, all those things. So those were the things those three guys taught me that allowed me to be a professional athlete for 17 years. So that's what I tell the young guys, too. I don't want to help you with your per se trade. I want to show you to involve yourself into being a professional athlete. And if you can do that, you have a great opportunity to make a team and play for a certain amount of time.
0: Yeah, especially considering, like, physical aspects is one thing, but that the mental game and the – sorry, healthy eating is definitely the biggest strong because you could work out for six days a week, five hours a day, but if you're eating junk food and crap all the time, you're not going (laughs) to go anywhere. You're not going to get those – those looks that you're trying to get right? right exactly that's what it's
1: all about you know and and people say you have to make sacrifices it's, it wasn't really a sacrifice to me it was it was a lifestyle this is what i wanted to do and i wanted to do it for a long time and i knew what i needed to do to do it for a long time so it wasn't a sacrifice i still uh hold to those uh same that same way of living to this day because i like i like the way it makes me feel and it still allows me to be able to work out
0: And that's great. And now looking after your Cincinnati Bengal career after those three years, in 1995, you signed with the Green Bay Packers, but unfortunately got cut after a serious knee injury during the end of the training camp. After that, you ended up turning your focus to the CFL and the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, where you ended up playing actually the final six games of that 95 season. What was the transition like for you to go from the NFL and kind of like that that kind of lifestyle to the CFL and the transition? Well, it was a rough transition per
1: se because I had no idea what I was getting into. You think about it, 1995, I mean, the internet wasn't around. Uh, I I, I had been to Canada once, I've been to Toronto uh, once, so I had no idea what I was getting into. Uh, I thought my football career was over with, but my agent, he reached out to me and said, there's a team in Canada who owns your rights, who would like you to come up there and play. And he said, Winnipeg. And I'd never heard of Winnipeg, Manitoba. So I looked it up in an encyclopedia. So I was above North Dakota. I'm like, okay, what am I getting myself? In? <laughs> you know, I, I was 25 at the time. You know, I didn't have any uh, real responsibilities. You know, I was single. So I was like, yeah, I'll give it a shot. So I went up there in September of 1995 and ended up staying and still continue going up there. But I ended up playing for 14 years. So it was a true blessing that I had that opportunity uh, like I said before, you know, I had no idea what I was getting into. It wasn't an easy transition. It's a different type of game. It's a diff- different type of lifestyle going from the C- NFL to the CFL. But it was some- it's something I wouldn't train for the world because I still have friends to this day uh, that I'm involved with because of my time in the CFL.
0: Now, did you make sure to bring extra layered clothes for the cold days? Did you do that research when you came up to Canada?
1: You can't prepare for that cold. You, you <laughs> can't
0: prepare for that cold. You don't,
1: you know. you have no idea what you're getting into. Because I remember when I went up there, it was September. So when I left uh, Cincinnati where I was living, you know, it was probably about 80, maybe 80, 85 degrees. So I go up there, I have on a, maybe a long shirt and some shorts. And I remember I get off the plane and it's September and it's like 50 something degrees. I'm like, what am I getting myself into? And Right when I get off the plane, I take a physical and I'm practicing. It's like, okay, what is going on here? But, you know, it's just it's, it's just playing football. And that's what it's all about. I still had that opportunity to play football. And, and that was something I was looking forward to getting to play receiver. As you alluded to earlier, I didn't get to play much receiver in the NFL. And when, when I got to the CFL, I finally got a chance to play receiver again. So I enjoyed every single moment of it.
0: And that's fantastic because you ended up spending your entire career in the CFL with the Blue Bombers. A lot of the times, uh, we wind up seeing guys being traded, signing with other teams, or whatever the other like alternatives are, whether it's early retirement, uh, injuries, etc. What was the reasoning for you behind being able to stay with Winnipeg for your entire CFL career?
1: Well, it was a combination of things. You know, I had built a relationship. Uh, with the organization, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, but I'd also built a relationship outside of the organization, outside of the organization, with businesses, uh, with the community leaders in Winnipeg. So I saw myself doing something in this community outside of football when my career is over with, and I didn't want to uh, set that aside to go maybe chase a championship or go chase an extra 50 or $20,000, 20, dollars. I knew I was building a legacy right here. And I knew I wasn't going to go anywhere else. Now, there was opportunity where they thought about trading me, trying to get me onto a team that had a chance to win the championship. But I never went in and asked for a trade at no time because I knew this is the place where my legacy was going to be built. This is the community that I was going to be able to make a difference in. And to this day, I'm still involved in the community throughout Winnipeg, throughout the city of Winnipeg, throughout the province of Manitoba. I mean, I have a street named after me in Winnipeg. So this is a place that I was fortunate to play 14 years. And I thank God every day that I did because I'm still benefiting from playing 14 years in the, in, in the city of Winnipeg.
0: And we're going to allude to that uh, that as well as a scholarship that's named after you in a short little bit as well. Um, it's actually funny. I was watching some TSN highlights of the top 10 buzzer beater moments in in sport and obviously they have like the number one was Kawhi from last year with the Raptors and they had um like Nazem Kadri on there with the uh with the 0.1 second from last night kind of thing and there was a top few and I think it was like number five or number six number five I think
1: somebody's yeah number,
0: number five man. and i like Hey, Milz catches right there. So that was that was hilarious. It was just like, what are the chances that the day I interview you, I see these top tens, right?
1: <laughs> now, yeah, no, that, that that play was something else. Uh, it was uh, 2006, and you know we were down four points, needing 100 yards, uh, touchdown to win the game, and it was just crazy. And it was more so the defense they played that I was able to score. It wasn't like I ran a great route. It was a great throw of the defense they played. So. That was a great play that I'll remember for a long time.
0: And that's always great to have those memories that you can carry on after your career is done. But talking about those records and those memories, you actually had a number of records stamped into the the record books, such as, I'm going to list off a few, because these were so impressive. So most TDs in a career with 147, most Mm -hmm. TDs in one season with 23 back in 2002, and most catches per yard, or sorry, per sorry, most yards per catch in one season with 26.5 in 1997. And that's, again, just to name a few. How did it feel throughout your career to consistently be putting your names on these records? It was an
1: honor. It was an honor. And I never thought that I would make a career in the CFL. Just like every other uh, ex-NFL player who goes in the CFL, we feel, okay, we'll go up here for a couple of years, Uh, especially if you're young enough. And I was at the time, and then go back to the NFL. But You know, I was so fortunate that I got an opportunity to play that long there. And as the years went on, you know, people started advising me that you're getting close to some records. You're getting close to breaking not only some uh, organization Winnipeg Blue Bomber records, but some CFL records. So I started thinking like, wow, an opportunity to do some great things up here. So it it, it was a great feeling. Uh, I played with some pretty good quarterbacks. I actually played with a bunch of quarterbacks, two main quarterbacks I played with. Kevin Glenn and Kahari Jones, they allowed me to do some great things, had some other great players, Hall of Fame players around me. So it was just a great feeling. And those are things that I remembered when I look back on my career. Uh, My two sons, who really, they weren't old enough when I was playing to remember anything. So every now and then I have to pull up some YouTube videos and show them that I I was pretty good and show them my touchdown. So those things I look back on and I say, you know, I cherish them. It took a lot of hard work, took a lot of people around me. Uh, took a lot of sacrificing, uh, but like I said, I wouldn't change anything, and I enjoyed every moment.
0: Now, in 2007, you actually signed a one-year deal uh, with the Blue Bombers, and what you said at one point was going to be your last year, but then you ended up returning in 2008 for that final year. What was your decision to come back for that one, like, kind of last hurrah, uh, if you will, um, and play? Right. And, and most people thought I was coming back because the previous year in 2007,
1: we lost the great cup and I wanted to give it another shot. Of course, that that was part of it. But a part of it was my wife was like, you know, if you want to go back and play another year, let, let's do it. You know, because I, I had set in stone for the most part that that was going to be it, regardless of what happened, if we won it, if we lost it. But, you know, she said, you know, if you feel you can go back and play another year, let's do it. She was pregnant. Uh, with our youngest son at the time, so my wife and my oldest son, Chase, who was three, they all came up there to Winnipeg, which was the first year they all were up there the entire year, so we had a good time with that, but she was a big reason why the organization wanted me to come back and, you know, things didn't work out as well as we wanted them to as far as winning the championship, but it was another year I got to grow, another year I got to form some great friendships uh, with individuals outside of the Winnipeg organization, so, uh, like I said, it it, it, it allowed me to to, to flourish as an individual, allow my family to come up there. My youngest son was born in Winnipeg, so that's something we always cherish. So every single moment I had up there, including that last year, were all special moments.
0: Plus, it's also a unique experience when you're on that field and you kind of just have that itch where, like you alluded to, where it's like, okay, we – you could win another championship. Let's go one more year and run on it. But just, again, having that time in the locker room with the guys, being able to sit yes. in the field, and those memories, again, do it while you can because you never know how much longer you can really play, right?
1: Very true. And you bring up something, and you ask any professional athlete what they miss about their sport. It's not actual the sport. It's the camaraderie you have with the guys in the locker room. Uh, you run out in that field, and you see people with your jersey on, screaming your name. You know, that's a drug like no other right there those are the things we miss so uh, i tried to soak it all in my 14 years because i knew one day was going to be over don't, don't know didn't know when but the fact that i got to play 14 years and take all that in is truly a blessing
0: now in february of 2009 you announced your retirement from the game however as a lot of uh pro football players do they don't really step away from the game as much they may step away off the field but step into the um, game from another perspective. So you ended up joining uh, later that year in June of 2009. You joined with TSN in the broadcast booth covering games and have been doing so ever since. You talked about the transition from the NFL to the CFL, but what was the transition like for you to go from playing in the CFL and retiring from the game of football to then being able to cover games in the booth?
1: I think that might have been even tougher. (laughs) Uh, people, and, and I, I thought this also, they think it just an individual just gets up there and starts talking about football, but there's so much that goes into uh, the production of it, even before you get on. So I didn't understand that. Uh, I, it, it, it was a tough transition. The first two years, they were tough. I mean, I was more nervous about getting on air than I was before a football game. Uh, luckily, I had a, a good guy friend of mine who was also working here at the time. He doesn't work anymore. A guy named Chris Schultz. He helped me out a lot he made the transition a lot easier a couple of producers jamie ridea who's still there another guy tony darty who's not there anymore they also helped me out a lot because it's it, it's not easy and there's no there's no preseason. there's no getting your feet wet they throw you in the mix right away and either you're going to sink or you're going to swim And if you can't swim they're going to find someone new so i was fortunate enough where i had some good people around me i i took the same approach as i did when i played sports or anything else i gave it my all. I sacrificed. I studied. I did all my research. So I was able to continue doing it. And they really don't give you much feedback. Their feedback is if we don't bring you back, that means you haven't done well. So they continue bringing me back. So that means I'm doing okay. And it's it's, it's a great job. I mean, I pitch myself every day thinking that I get paid to watch and talk about football. I mean, there's more that go into it, but at the end of the day, that's what we're doing. So it's something I'm thankful for every day because it allows me to stay around the game without actually playing the game. And there are thousands of guys who would love to have it. That's why I'm making sure that I'm on top of my game because I want to continue doing it for as
0: long as I can. And that's yeah. fantastic. And you do great work. I've seen a couple of your calls on games uh, in the past, like when Toronto's played Winnipeg or things like that um, and some other broadcasts. And uh, yeah, it's been great. And and again, when you have that passion, you love that, or you have that love for the sport or love for that thing that you're doing, whatever it is, um, it truly shows uh, and comes out. And as long as that, uh, reticenates with the fans, then you right. must be doing something right. Exactly.
1: exactly. I'm having a great time, too. I'm having a, you shouldn't have this much fun working. That's what I say, getting paid for it, But I'm yeah. having a great time every single day.
0: Now, looking back at your career with the NFL and CFL, is there a game that stands out in your mind as the most memorable one? Well, there's, there's two for me. There's one in the NFL. There's
1: the first preseason game. And it was the game where I really opened up eyes. You know, i would made some, games, some plays uh, during training camp, but the real eyes have to be opened up when the real bullets are flying. That's the game. And the opening kickoff of my first preseason game, I returned the kickoff for a touchdown. It was like 96 yards. And after that, you know, the coaches started talking to me, started putting me in on offense, started implementing me on plays, and that opened up the door for me to have a long career. So I remember that play forever. And also the one we just talked about before, the last second play in Edmonton for the 100-yard touchdown. You know, that was my greatest play. And don't get me wrong, I'm a humble guy, but I think maybe the greatest play in football history. So, <laughs> but no, th- those two plays right there, those are the two most, my two most memorable plays, memorable plays as a professional athlete because the one allowed me to open up the door to have a professional career, and that other one, it's just a great play, and where people didn't think we had a chance to win the game. So those two plays really stand out for me.
0: And I have to say, if anyone could go yard to yard or end to end, running the ball and running through a full team of guys, you're, you're doing <laughs> something pretty well.
1: I, I was running scared; I didn't want to get hit. So that's why. <laughs>
0: <clears throat> just do what they do in the longest yard. Just toss the football around, do a couple spins around guys. You're good. You know? Well, I, I was too old by then. I had to go straight line. I didn't have all that time. I was.
1: I wasn't as fast as I used to be. I was 36 at the time, and I got 20-year-olds chasing me, so I had to get there as fast as I could. <laughs>
0: um, now, talking about inductions and a little bit of off the field, in 2012, you were inducted into the Canadian uh, Football Hall of Fame, and in 2016, the Winnipeg Blue Bombers Ring of Honor. How does it feel for you to be able to see all of your work, all your accomplish- accomplishments, rather, um, and hard work and dedication pay off in those uh, Hall of Fame inductions?
1: It, it was truly special. It was truly special. When you think about uh, the Canadian Football Hall of Fame, and I'm not for sure the exact number, but there's less than 400 guys. And you think about how long the Canadian Football League has been around, you know, almost 100 years. And in fact, I'm one of those 400. In fact, I'm only, I think, one of maybe 20 or 30 who were first ballot. So to put my name, to put my stamp on that, it was truly special. And it made it even more special that my kids were now old enough, especially my older son, to old enough to experience that be me and memorize memory that uh, it is truly special. And in 2016, getting inducted to the, to the uh, Wall of, of Fame in, in with the Winnipeg Blue Bombers, that was also special. They flew me and my family up there. I was actually working again that night, so they flew my family up. We had a great evening. Uh, my sons, they started realizing that, hold on, Daddy did actually do something in football. He actually did play football. So those memories will last forever. We have pictures, we have video, we have newspaper clippings. So those are things that we can cherish and talk about for a fam- as a family for a long time.
0: And not only did Dad play football, he did it pretty well too. Did pretty well. I did okay. I did okay. <laughs> now, also too, you, as you mentioned earlier, you uh, got a street named after you in Winnipeg. What, what's it like to be able to, when you're back in town, to drive down Winnipeg and be like, "Hey, there's there's my name on the street."
1: It's, it's crazy. It's crazy. That that's one of the craziest things. And uh, one of my good buddies, when when he he used to always come up to Winnipeg and. And watch my games. He was like, "You have a street named after you." My friends down here, when they find out, they, they can't believe it. I can't believe it sometimes. So every time I'm in Winnipeg, I always drive down my street. I'll take a picture, take a selfie or something, because that's something that's that's still crazy. Lyle Bauer, the president at the time and the mayor, they made sure that that was happening. It was sort of surprising, you know. I heard a little bit about it, but I was like, "This can't come 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 to fruition. There's no way that I can get a street named after me, but it did." It's right next to the old stadium. Uh, people always calling me up. I'm, I'm on Milt Stegall Drive. You know, I, I put it into my, into my Waze app so I can see how to get there from Atlanta. It's <laughs> something truly special, and it just lets me know that I actually did make a difference in this city. And it's more so what I did off the field than what I did on the field, being involved in the community, giving back my time and my efforts. I think that was the main reason why I got that street name after me, so that means a lot to me.
0: Well, I'll tell you one thing. I've only been to Winnipeg once, but next time I go there, I'll make sure to make a stop off, get a little selfie and send it off to you.
1: There you go. There you go. That'll be one of your prized possessions, I'm sure.
0: (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Now, also talking about the work that you've done off the field, again, in the community that you mentioned, you've done a lot for the community and province of Manitoba and that gave so much to you in the game and, and helped you succeed in Winnipeg. In recognition of that, you were you have a scholarship named after you called the MFS sorry, M MF, sorry, MFSFS F S Scholarship. What does that mean for you having a scholarship named after you to help young athletes in their journey to sport? I mean that that means more
1: than winning the championship or scoring a touchdown. That, that that lets me know that I am affecting the next generation. I am a, affecting the world. I am leaving a legacy that will live on forever. Because when you are able to build into the younger generation, you know you're making a difference. And you know that difference you're making will be passed on and passed on and passed on. And that's a legacy that will live forever. So when they named that in me and put that in my name, that was something I'll I love, I love hearing that more than anything. You know, I've, I've been there for maybe three of the times where I was able to give my award. And I mean, that's a humbling feeling when you see these individuals and how happy they are. And the fact that uh, you're given something that's going to allow them to uh, continue their education, that's going to help them, may a book, may allow them to stay in the doing whatever it may be. You're affecting the gener- the next generation, so you're affecting the world. So that means a lot to me. That means more than any MVP MOP, touchdown record, anything else I could do because I know that's actually making a difference and that means a lot.
0: Now, being in that mentor for the younger generation, was there someone growing up with you that was your mentor that helped you succeed in your career with football? Well, I mean, it started with my, with my parents. You know, those were the individuals
1: uh, that instilled in me what it took to be successful, not just in sports because my parents, you know, they didn't play any sports. Uh, they had five kids, so they had to work. But I saw how hard they work, how much they sacrifice. And if I did that with all the advantages I had that they didn't, uh, there's no way I shouldn't be successful in something. My older siblings, they also instilled in me uh, what it took. They showed me uh, what it took to be successful. And like I said, it had nothing to do with sports. It was just being successful as an individual, being a good person. But it all started with my parents and what, what not what they said, but what they did. And uh, that instilled in me I knew I was going to be successful. So they were my mentors. Don't get me wrong. There were a couple athletes I enjoyed watching. Uh, uh, Lance Swan, I was a big Pittsburgh Steelers fan. But the people that instilled in me what it took to be successful were the people I saw every day. And those were my parents and my older siblings.
0: And that's so good to have because you're, it's all about foundation and about having those people to be able to support you to succeed. And now you're doing that with the younger generation. So bravo, bravo to you, sir, because that's fantastic as well. Um, now, looking at the younger generation again, what kind of advice would you want to share with those younger athletes that may want to get into football or kind of start off their career but not may not know how to get started?
1: Well, the, the main thing, and just like, and I know this is, you know, everyone says this, is just, Put yourself in a position to, to, to be your best. And to do that, you have to work hard. It, it, it's not easy. You're going to face some adversity. But if you put yourself in a position to be your best, you're a champion. At the end of the day, all you can do is control what you can control. If you worked your hardest, if, you, if you're you in your best shape, if you studied, if you did all this, you put yourself in a position to be your best. That's all you can ask for. And those lessons that you learn while you're trying to put yourself in a position to be your best will translate over into real life. Not saying football is, is not real life, but when you're out in the real world, when you're in college, when you're trying to get that interview, to be that job, you'll you'll, you'll revert back to what you did when you were trying to be your best as a football player. And you, you have that same philosophy when you're trying to get that job, when you're trying to be an entrepreneur, when you're trying to study for this final exam uh, in college or whatever it may be. All those things come together. So... Those are the lessons I teach not only uh, younger kids, but my two sons, too. Always tell them, just be in a position to be your best. That's all you can do. And if you can look in the mirror at the end of the day and say, I did all I can do, I did my best, that's all you can ask for, and I consider you a true
0: champion. The great words of wisdom and advice from the great Milt Siegel. Thank you so much, sir, for taking the time to chat. And, uh, yeah, hopefully we will be able to see some sort of football Probably not this year, but into next year for sure. um, And hopefully uh, be able to go back to, again, that uh, that exciting electricity in the air towards sports. Let's hope so. Thanks for having me on. No problem. Take care. All right, take care. Bye. All right, everyone, that was Milt Stegall, NFL and CFL alumni. Thank you again for joining the show. And we look forward to having you tune in to future episodes. Take care.